last week, as we're doing uh, these three weeks on, on loosely the theme, follow me, we talked about um, John 21, Jesus and Peter and being on the beach, yes? And that point where, where Jesus is telling Peter, I have a place for you in my kingdom. There is work to be done. And by the way, he has a place for you in his kingdom. And there are times and there are places and there are people that God is going to put in your path where you are the perfect one to speak Jesus into their life. We talked about that last week. Just a few days later, we had this this Pentecost Day moment that we uh, look at as the birth of the church, right? Where there were over 3,000 that were baptized into Christ at that point in time. And it is Peter's sermon that inspired that through the Holy Spirit working through all of those that were there and the, the, the speaking in languages that they didn't know, that people actually heard and understood, all of that. We're not doing that today. We'll do that some other time. But we're going to move just past that. Just a few uh, days, maybe weeks past that, we have Peter and John who are going to the temple to pray. And there was a man there who was crippled. And they reached over and they helped this young man. This is in Acts 3. If you want to read that story, uh, read it. I think some of y'all are familiar with it. You want to glance through it, go right ahead. I'm going to pick up with the after effect. You see, this man had been crippled since birth. And everybody knew it. And there was something that happened that he got up and was able to walk and everybody was amazed. Yet, not everybody was amused. We're going to pick up here in uh, Acts 1, Acts verse 1, chapter 4. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were, probably an understatement, greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, you might read over this because you've read it over lots of things. Why is it important that John pointed that the Sadducees were the ones that were upset? They don't believe, right? Pharisees for over 200 years have been talking about it. But the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Now think about this. It was 3,000 a few days before. Now it's gone to 5,000. Anybody, statisticians around here that understand what just happened? There was a miracle 
and a call to repentance that happened in chapter 3. Obviously, chapter 2, that sermon that happened as well. Healing of that man born crippled. 65% growth in the church. That's significant, isn't it? Small principle here. You're not Peter. You're not John. I'm not either. But I think this principle applies. When we give what we have, God blesses it. By the way, you may not have the power to heal the body. Jesus, the Spirit, gave that to those early apostles in order to create belief. Yes? But you can heal souls. You know why? Because you know there is good news. You know about Jesus. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. The next day, the rulers, elders, teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, as, and, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called in account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. By the way, that phrase is an idiomatic phrase. In the name of is like in the authority of or in the power of. It's by the authority, the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God has raised from the dead. That this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which became the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, Ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing before them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and, and what's it say? And we cannot deny it. Hmm. 
But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, hey, a lot of good's being done. We got to stop it. I'm sorry. That's just, it's just there, isn't it? We must warn these men not to speak no longer uh, to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter replied and John replied, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What you just say, we are witnesses of the name, the authority, the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? And further, with further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Now, I bet the Sanhedrin was more than just a little perplexed. After all, they had seen to it that Jesus, this rebel-rousing threat to their power, their authority, was no more. I'm sure that they figured the brutality of the cross would crush his little movement and they would no longer be bothered with this troublesome Nazarene. And yet, recent days had brought in this wild tale of Galilean men speaking in foreign languages and calling on everybody to repent and to turn to God. And now, now, here were two of Jesus' disciples causing a commotion in the temple court. And here's the thing. Again, what was the commotion? Turn to God and worship him and serve him. And this miracle, a 40-year-old beggar that everybody knew was walking and leaping and praising God. Now, I'm sure they were scratching their heads wondering what happened. Well, the least they could do was arrest Peter and John which only gives Peter the opportunity to preach his third sermon in three chapters. And in fact, this one is a, is a condensing of the first two when you really look at it. He says, Jesus, whom you crucified, God raised from the dead, and salvation is found only in him. Do you realize if you know that? You have good news. It's just three little things. Crucified, raised, found. Can you say that? Crucified, 
raised, found. That's the gospel right there. There's a lot we can really say about this whole chapter, but today I want to focus on this verse right here. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were just like you and me. They were just people that hadn't studied the Bible thoroughly enough to be on the level of the Sanhedrin. Unschooled, just ordinary men. And yet, the message they had was changing lives. That's what happens when you let the Spirit work through you. Lives can be changed. Now, it took courage for Peter to stand there in front of the Jewish government of the day and say what he said the way he said it. Just like it takes courage today to stand up in the face of obvious opposition and speak truth. The best lesson for us today is why did Peter have that kind of courage? Now, we talked a little bit about that last week, right? Peter's courage came from knowing Jesus. Now, you might think that Peter, with the time that he spent with Jesus, those, those three years, that ministry time that he walked along with Jesus and followed him from town to town and seeing the miracles and all of that would be the thing that would really have emboldened Peter. But you know, those things did not keep Peter from denying Jesus before the cross. Friend, do you know Jesus' mercy? Has he covered over your sin? Have you stopped to consider that he is saying to you the same thing he said to Peter that we talked about last week? I have a place for you. Turn around. Come back. In Sunday school, we talked about uh, godly sorrow, mourning from, from, uh, from the Beatitudes, that mourning to the point of coming and asking for forgiveness. Friend, do you have a relationship with the risen Lord? And if you do, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence in your life that you have been with Jesus. You know, it's important because if you haven't, you're hurting for a testimony. There's no real reason for you to talk about Jesus and his salvation if you haven't experienced it yourself. You see, 
You cannot give away what you do not own. Peter's courage also came from knowing that his life was finite. Peter, when he denied Christ, why do you think he did that? You ever stop to think about it? Why in the world do you think he did that? I got three words for you. Do you know what they are? I don't know. But what I do know is Peter was human. I am human. What did he do? He not only denied, he, oh, he used the little L word. He lied. You think about it. Even kids, when they know they're about to get in trouble, what do they do? They want to save their own skin. Yes? In fact, if you think about it, one of the biggest motivators for lying is our self-focus and either not wanting to get in trouble or not having to deal with the consequences. Yes? So, I don't know why Peter did it, but I know why I would have done it. I would have been trying to save my own skin. Yet, while walking on the beach, as we talked about it last week, Jesus clearly told Peter, your days are numbered. He told him how it was he was going to die. Yes, you remember? And then he said what? Follow me. Friend, do you realize your life is finite? Unless we come to Christ first, we all will die that spiritual death. I don't say that to be morbid, okay? I'm not trying to drag you down. But it's fact. And I can't change what is fact. So in light of that fact, how do you choose to live? Peter had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And there in front of the government council, and things could have gone a very, very different way, with the Holy Spirit in him, leading him, Peter states truth. And he says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be Saved. That word saved, um, it's sozo in the Greek. You don't have to remember that. But, but it's, it's used multiple times throughout this, this whole story through chapter 3 and chapter 4. In fact, twice it gets translated by healed and one time as saved. And in fact, Peter's kind of sort of playing off of that when you stop to think about it. Yeah. You want to know how 
this man was healed? Jesus of Nazareth did it. He's the only one who can heal us all. That's what he's saying. Now, you think about the Jewish concept of salvation. Do you remember what that is from your Old Testament, your studies? Salvation comes from where? Salvation comes from the Lord. It's repeated over and over in the Old Testament. Just a few places, Exodus 14, 13, 2 Chronicles 20, 17, Lamentations 26, Jonah 2, 9. That exact phrase, salvation comes from the Lord. That has got to be rubbing them wrong when Peter says, Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who can heal us. The Sanhedrin wanted to know about this physical event. Yet the Holy Spirit wanted Peter to present to them the spiritual truth. And Peter's courage given by God as he was filled with the Spirit. God, Peter just allowed the Spirit to speak through him. Now, I know there are times when you feel that little prompting to say something and you're talking with someone and you're like, I don't know what to say. Do you know what the best thing to do in that moment is? Is pray. When you don't know what to say, pray. And then take a breath and rely on the Spirit to give you the words. Often we will pray, God use me, God speak through me. And yet that uncomfortable feeling when the Spirit nudges us, sometimes we react to that by staying silent. And I have to ask, what what are we afraid of? If God opens up a divine opportunity to breathe some life into another soul that he created and that he loves and that he died for and that he wants to join him in eternity, what are we, what are we afraid of? If we know Jesus, if we have been with him and we have been doing life with him and we know that life in this realm our life their life is finite we cannot keep it or save it we know salvation only comes from the Lord and we know that our friend our neighbor our co-worker family member will die without him. What are we afraid of? The connection card on the back. Since we have been doing this, you have noticed there's been 
a memory verse, and there's been a scripture to read. Do you know why that is? Because I want to encourage you to be in the Word. But let me tell you, it's not how much you're in the Word that matters. It's how much of the Word gets into you that matters. Memory verse for this week, very easy. Salvation comes through no one else. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You may have already memorized that. You can still dwell on that this week. The reading is actually for what we're going to be looking at next week. Do you know why I want you to read ahead? So you can keep me straight. Not only that, but you come prepared. You come with some thoughts. And when you're prepared and I'm prepared, guess what? We can communicate. We have something we can talk back and forth with. There's another section on the back of this card where we give an opportunity very softly. But if you want to know something about becoming a Christian, what we believe about Christianity, you want to place membership here, um, I want to give you an easy way to say, hey, would you talk to me without making you step forward at the very moment that you're feeling that, okay? I want to make sure that when you make a decision, you make an informed decision that you're going to keep and not just an emotional decision. Emotions are great. They motivate us to do a lot of things. But I want you to make a decision that'll stick. So if you're giving some thought to that, please, Mark it here. Either I will get a hold of you or somebody will get a hold of you. We'll be glad to talk to you about it. This area down here on the bottom, there's always a line there for comments. Today, I'd like for you to think about who it is that God is placing on your heart that you know through the Spirit. Uh, It may just be somebody that you know needs Him and you haven't figured out how to speak in a way that they will listen. I want you to do me a favor. In that area, all the way to this right side, because I think uh, Judy's asked you to put something on here if you're going to be helping out with uh, uh, funeral meals and that ministry that our ladies do predominantly. Men, you can be involved as well with our kitchen and taking care of funerals and that sort of thing. Um, But way over here in the corner, can you give me an initial? Can you give me just a first name? Can you give me just a last name? Can Can you write somebody here that God has placed on your heart that you want to speak with? By the way, um... I believe it'll be uh, around the 1st of September. The uh, Sunday school class that's meeting right over close to the kitchen in the 9 o'clock hour, when we finish up talking about the Beatitudes, the series that we're in right now. And I'll tell you what, if you're not in Sunday school, you're missing a lot. You're missing some encouraging things. And today was very encouraging in that class. But we're going to actually stop... And we're going to take 
a couple of weeks to talk about a method of how we talk to people in a way that makes them think about their life and promotes, uh, gives them opportunity to see and to move towards truth. Andy Sarquez actually uses this method on a regular basis. And Andy is going to be talking from his own experience while we are looking at this method of how we present Jesus. Because I don't want anybody to say, I don't know what to say. Yeah? How about crucified, raised, and salvation comes from the Lord? Yeah? We're going to collect these in a few minutes uh, we, we collect the offering during the final song, and uh, those that you are visiting with us, don't feel like you have to put anything in. That's really for our regular tenders, our, our members, but we'd, we would like to, to get the card from everybody. It helps us with our, our counts. I don't know if you noticed or not, but back at verse 16, The Sanhedrin did not deny the miracle, nor the fact that the people were praising God, which they certainly would see as a good thing. They just rejected the truth that was in front of them. Seems to me like there's a lot of that going on today. The truth is being rejected, yet I want you to understand that has been the case ever since the time of Christ. So it may be unusual because we're seeing it, and we're seeing it getting worse, maybe for the first time in our country's history, and yet it's not unusual for the body of Christ throughout time. Peter lived the message of salvation. And we can take our cue from him. He lived it because he knew it was true. He had denied his master once and he never wanted to do that again. Friends, if you struggle in this area, I don't want you to beat yourself up or walk away. I want you to follow Peter's lead and live the message of salvation. Father God, we thank you for the call that you place upon our lives and that it doesn't have to be a blind response that you give us every opportunity to know what you are like, to know what it's like to live in light of your Holy Spirit and in light of the resurrection. But in that, you also were very clear that the world will reject your truth. And Father, I pray that everyone here who has come into covenant with you 
through the blood of the cross will be willing to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in moving the message of salvation through Jesus Christ forward. We thank you for this day and this time together. For the example of Peter. And we thank you, Father, that you continue to call us As we move into this time of reflection, decisions being made, I pray, Father, that you will move us, and you will move us not only in committing to you, but in following you and following your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.